Welcome to the Occult London Podcast. This is a new podcast dedicated to exploring magic, mysticism, Kabbalah, as well as other topics. If you like the podcast, please write a review and rate it on iTunes, as it will really help us to get this message out there. Also, be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk, where you can subscribe to the show. In today's episode, we will be discussing the Archangel Gabriel, who in the Western mystery tradition is traditionally associated with the element of water, the West, the Kabbalistic sphere of Yesod, and also the Carabic figure of the eagle and the divine messenger. In his role as the Archangel of Water, he is also considered to be the consciousness carrier between divine and human intelligence, which is symbolised by the trumpet that he often carries. Archangel Gabriel is important to many traditions, including Christianity, Judaism and Islam, and has many different titles, including God is my strength, God is mighty, herald of light, he who gives the powers of vision, prince of change and alteration. A lot of the titles, as we can see, are describing him and his power in ways that we can kind of try to understand it. So they're worth kind of dwelling on some of these some of these titles. But when you think about them, um, you know, it does make it kind of easier in terms of how we understand why he's been placed in the sphere of Yesod on the tree of life um, and is kind of really this epitome of this kind of power aspect of the tree. Um, his name consists of two parts. You've got Gabriel, which means governor, and Al, which means brightness or shining. So it's kind of a sort of governor of light. Traditionally, from a Christian context, Gabriel is one of the seven before the throne who serves the divine, and he's also one of only two angels mentioned by name in the Bible, the other being Mikhail. Gabriel, Mikhail, and Raphael are the only three archangels recognized by the Roman Catholic Church. And according to Enoch, Mikhail and Gabriel live in the seventh heaven and stand on the right and left hand sides of God. Gabriel rules Makon, which is the sixth heaven, while Mikhail rules Arabot, which is the seventh heaven. As we will examine, Gabriel has many different functions. However, the primary one that is most common is his role as a messenger. And in most traditions, he's seen as the archangel who delivers messages to humanity. For this reason, he's been adopted as the patron saint of messengers, postal workers, communication workers, as also uh, also kind of uh, very strong from a compassionate and loving aspect. So kind of ideas of love, forgiveness and caring. This intermediary communication aspect of his role also fits well with his position in Yesod of the Tree of Life. If we think about the position of the Tree of Life, so obviously we've got Malkut and then we've got Yesod, and Yesod is really that kind of gateway to the higher part of the tree. So obviously Gabriel being that intermediary um, sits well within that. We go up the 32nd path into Yesod, and that is where we meet Gabriel. Likewise, he would come down as well. And... He appears in lots of different texts, as I mentioned. He first appears in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel. So he's meant to be the angel who indicates the coming of the Messiah to Daniel in his book and also explains his visions. He's also meant to have visited Azachari uh, to tell him that his son would be called John the Baptist. And he also tells Mary that she, she would be pregnant with Jesus. 
in the Islamic tradition, um, Gabriel is seen as a divine messenger, is also the archangel who is meant to have delivered the Quran to Muhammad. Uh, the Yazidi tradition consider Gabriel one of the seven mysteries or the heptat to which God entrusted the world and sometimes is identified with Melek Taurus. Archangel Gabriel is often identified as a he in the text, so for instance the book of Daniel. However, it's got to be remembered archangels are not humans, so these are uh, divine energies really, divine beings um, who can adapt different forms depending on the person who sees them and what they can also cope and what they can understand with. So concepts of gender, male and female, they're not really relevant and you know, these beings are really beyond sexual polarity. Perhaps one of the most important lessons we can also learn from the Archangel Gabriel is that sexual power has to pass lots of different levels and dimensions with the physical act being just the outward expression of something much higher. As the Archangel of Yesod and the Moon, or the Lunar Sphere, Gabriel is the guide to accessing our subconscious so he's also responsible for assisting us with the imagination, the psychic awareness, as well as, you know, things like domestic things. So, you know, moving house, fertility, pregnancy, and obviously anything connected with the lunar spheres or the oceans and the mysteries of the moon. This um, aspect of him of the West and water is very important because it's Archangel Gabriel who rules that element and he also rules the living water that streams that well out of the highest throne. It is through Gabriel, Yesod, that the waters from the highest, so Bina, flow into incarnation and consolidation. So in the same way, he's also the conduit for the power to flow from that highest source. This channeling aspect of Gabriel from the unmanifest to the manifest is interesting because in this sense, he can be seen as a fertility god. Um, he often is shown as holding a horn or a lily flower. And in this sense, we can also say it, it is quite a phallic shape, really. So it's the horn. It's a phallic horn, which can be seen as a cup. The news he brings of pregnancy to Mary is kind of news on an intellectual level. But he's also, in a sense, carrying that sacred seed in that message. So this whole idea of knowledge transmitted um, orally, but also it is knowledge that exists on multiple different levels, speaking to different levels of the being. So in a sense, when he speaks to Mary, it's very much an initiatory speak or spoken word, dropping that seed of that divine light into her being. This is something William Gray, um, who's a quite an interesting magician, talks about and he he mentions the following, and I quote, he, he bears news on one level that fertilises minds, and he bears seed on another level to fertilise bodies. Gabriel is the life-bearer, powered by love, and he helps force turn into form. He resurrects life from death all the time, and water provides him with a life medium for its continuation. And that's from William Gray's Magical Ritual Methods. So let's consider some of the stories of Gabriel from some of the different traditions. So in the Christian tradition, as we already mentioned, he appears in the Bible as a messenger on important business. 
The most famous example, obviously, that everyone knows is the Annunciation when he visits the Virgin Mary to tell her to prepare for the birth of Jesus Christ, which is in Luke 1, 26 to 38. According to the legend, the Catholic Hail Mary is also believed to be the greeting that Gabriel used when he visited Mary. And this meeting is also mentioned in the Quran in Surah 3. This event or the Annunciation is very important from a Kabbalistic point of view as it's this event um, it's in this event that Gabriel was kind of attributed to Yesod, this formative aspect. So he's acting as a bearer of the divine spark, or the word, of Hokmah, the father, into Bina, the mother. So he acts as an intermediary, as a ruler of the waters of creation, Bina. And this is something that William Gray talks about when he says the following. We can discover much about Gabriel from the legend of the Annunciation. Gabriel, the potent one brings intelligence, consciousness to Mary, the bitter ocean. That it is possible to conceive spiritually, and that he is indeed charged inwardly with divine energy, seeking expression through her. So much might be told any expectant mother, but Mary is given the realisation that in her case, this power will concentrate and focus to an unheard of degree through a child she will bear physically. Her realisation will act as a channel for such externalising energy. Gabrielle personifies the mediation of divine power from its source right down to material levels. And we know such meditations as love. That's a beautiful quote from William Gray, um, Ritual Magical Methods, and very deep. It's worth spending some time and, um, you know, really trying to think about that magical interaction with Gabrielle and the Virgin Mary in the Annunciation. Um, particularly from a Kabbalistic point of view, there's an awful lot of wisdom within that particular piece. Other um, interesting stories. Um, Gabriel was also meant to have visited Zachariah to inform him and his wife to prepare for the birth of John the Baptist. Also meant to have announced the birth of Samson. Um, so he has this very strong role as an announcer of pregnancy and birth. And there's also been a big tradition for many years that women trying to get pregnant in the Jewish tradition as well that... Um, they would make they'd make prayers to Gabriel to help them with that, and in the Jewish tradition, they also took, they also have a story that it's said that Gabriel instructs the baby whilst it's in the womb for nine months. Gabriel also appears in another major story in terms of helping Daniel to understand the symbolism of his strange dreams. Daniel's meant to have slept and had visions of a ram with two horns, which was defeated by a goat with one horn. He's like, well, uh, a bit confused about this, didn't know what it means. So he asks for help and is told by the Archangel Gabriel that the ram symbolises the empire of the Persians and the Mendes. The goat, on the other hand, symbolises the king of the Greeks who would come and defeat them and the new kingdom would be formed. This latter is meant to have come to pass when Alexander the Great took over that region 200 years later. Gabriel is also meant to have told Daniel about the destruction of Jerusalem and also the coming of the Messiah. 
And so for this reason, he also people do consider him to be this kind of archangel of dreams, prophecy and clairvoyance, which again goes very back to the concept of, you know, the West, the water, the moon. It's the sphere of dreams, of prophecy, of reflections, of scrying. You know, it's looking into that unknown, smoky, hazy mist and drawing out these forms from within that kind of unmanifest. So again, very much this concept of the the power aspects of Yesod drawing through those forms that exist in Bina. There's another story from the Coptic Orthodox Church which talks about Gabriel where the devil disguises himself as the angel of light which goes as follows and I quote The devil appeared to a brother disguised as an angel of light and said to him I am Gabriel and I have been sent to you. The mother said to him, see if it is not for someone else to whom you have been sent. As for me, I am not worthy of it. And immediately the devil vanished. So obviously the concept of, you know, the devil was trying to um, disguise himself as Gabriel, but it, you know, it, didn't, it didn't actually work. Um, but that does kind of give you this indication that you know you should never trust everything you see. So it's worth you know using your intuition and using your kind of deeper senses to test if things are what they seem. In medieval times, um, the Angelus Bell was also known as the Gabriel Bell, and this is a Roman Catholic devotion which is done three times a day. Um, called the Angel of the Lord Brought Tidings to Mary. The Angelus is a deeply moving and beautiful devotional practice followed mainly within the Catholic tradition designed to commemorate the mystery of the Incarnation and also honour Mary's role as Mother of Jesus. And around the world, people would stop what they were doing and recite the words. And this would often be signalled by the ringing of a bell to let the workers know when to do it. And Pope Benedict um, also wrote about this when he said the following. The angel's proclamation was addressed to her. She accepted it. And when she responded from the depths of her heart, at that moment, the eternal word began to exist as a human being in time. From generation to generation, the wonder evoked by this ineffable mystery never ceases. And with regards to the Angelus bell, it's quite interesting how the bell is struck because um, it was typically rung in a combination of three strokes and nine. So you get different variations of this, which is, is interesting from the, a Kabbalistic point of view as obviously nine is the sphere of Yesod and then three is the sphere of Bina. Um, so obviously Gabriel being the archangel of water, enabling the forms within the deep sea of Bina to be made manifest in the earth. And we obviously have this kind of beautiful representation in the Catholic tradition of that with the, the numbers three and nine. I'm not saying that is from Kabbalah. Um, it may just be a coincidence, but it is quite interesting how these things kind of connect up sometimes and kind of bring deeper meanings to some of these some of these traditions. Uh, Gabriel's also meant to have visited the Joan of Arc, Joan of Arc and so she saw visions of him. And he is also meant to be the archangel who blows the horn on the day of judgment to wake the dead. Some sources also say that is Mikhail. So again, it's one of these crossover things. In the Jewish tradition, um, Gabriel is particularly important 
And in the Talmud, he's shown as the destroyer of hosts of the Sekarib. He's also one of the angels that was asked to bury Moses and show Joseph the right way. And he's also mentioned in relation to the Midnight Vigil, which is an important um, Kabbalistic exercise, really. And there's a quote here with regards to that, and um, shows as follows. Every night God enters paradise to celebrate with the righteous. The trees start singing hymns and wind from the north carries a spark that strikes Archangel Gabriel beneath her wings. This spark is the divine fire of God. Gabriel cries out and wakes all the cocks who start crowing. This wakes up the pious who then study Torah until dawn. The Kabbalists believe that spirits and demons possess power only until the cock, cock crows. And that's a quote from Richard Webster. Um, and that's obviously interesting, from, uh, that quote, particularly, you know, Gabriel's seen again as this intermediary between man and God, but also this sort of protector of the sleeping throughout the dark hours of the night. So it's quite a nice image of this archangel watching over people while they sleep in those hours of the night. And then as soon as the sun comes up and the cocks crow, then they're up and they're ready to go. Um, Gabriel's also meant to be connected with the moon, which is obviously, you know, again, connections with Yesod and the Kabbalah, and is meant to have taught Moses this knowledge, although that story does kind of vary in some texts, depending on what tradition you follow. Um, and obviously this dream aspect of Gabriel's powers is very interesting, and there's various different Hecalot texts that discuss practices for dream incubation and also practices to receive dream revelations and the Sefer HaYiratzim has an entire section dedicated to dreams and are also you know getting questions answered in dreams which involves ritual purification bathing incense incantations to the Saha Shalom who's the archangel of dreams and also sometimes could be Archangel Gabriel um, Cassids also considered dreams very important and there's meant to have been lots of different stories uh, relating to them and families etc as well so he's got a very kind of strong tradition from that point of view and there's also another story um, about Gabriel which comes from an old Babylonian legend which relates how Gabriel was demoted from his position in heaven for 21 days as guardian of the sixth heaven and replaced by Dubiel, the guardian of the Persians. According to the legend, Jehovah had become angry with the Jewish people and asked Gabriel to destroy them by pouring burning coals over them and then being finished off by the Babylonian army. However, Gabriel feels sorry for the Israelites and instead of carrying out the task, she asks an extremely lazy angel to assist her with the hot coals. The lazy angel is meant to have taken too long to get the coals ready, and they have cooled down on a useless. And um, Gabriel's meant to follow this up by kind of negotiating with the army of the Babylonians not to kill the Israelites. So obviously God's quite displeased with, with you know, Gabriel disobeying his orders and replaces her with Dubiel, However, she is later reinstated, so obviously God takes mercy. Um, around 2,000 years ago, um, Gabriel was also sometimes 
talked about as being an angel of war rather than the sort of kind and gentle figure you see in the you know the stories of the Annunciation, etc. And there's examples of this, how she's sometimes described as being the severe angel and also in actions of, of war. So there's things like destroying Sen- Sen- Sennacherib's camp. Apologies, I can't pronounce that very well. Destroying Sodom and Gomorrah and also setting fire to the temple in Jerusalem. And there's quite interesting stories about how uh, Gabriel's meant to have wrestled Jacob for an entire evening in Genesis. Um, but yeah, as I said, it's that seems to be more kind of Old Testament earlier texts and later texts tend to be more on the kind of positive and kind of healing and really kind of caring aspects as well. And there's a good example of that in the Zohar um, where they talk about Gabriel being is meant to be in charge of the soul and when someone dies they are taken to its new home by Gabriel which is determined by how they lived in their life. And when they when it's time for them to reincarnate, Gabriel is also the guide that brings the spirit back to earth. So quite interesting from that point of view that Gabriel is like, again, a, a, almost like a psychopomp in terms of bringing the soul from the human body after death into heaven and then when they're ready to reincarnate again back onto the earth. In the Islamic tradition, um, Gabriel is known as Gibriel or Jibril, which is the Islamic equivalent of Gabriel and is meant to have been the archangel that teaches Noah how to build his ark as well as kind of giving him instructions on how to live. In the Islamic tradition, Mikhail is meant to be 500 years older than Gabriel. However, it is Gabriel who calls people to prayer. Gabriel is also meant to have been the archangel who appeared to Muhammad on the mountain in Saudi Arabia known as the Mountain of Light or Jabal al-Nur near and is meant to have also dictated the Quran to him. And again, obviously, we've got this idea of transmission of knowledge of that seed of Hochmah, the father, in the form of knowledge is being kind of transmitted down through the archangel. So again, we get this concept of this intermediary um, in the islamic tradition as well gabriel is also meant to be the archangel who presents abraham with the stone of the kaaba at mecca and this stone was originally meant to have been white but absorbs the sins of humanity over time which turns it darker and in the hadith which is also in the islamic tradition gabriel is referred to al namus al akbar which is the great angel who is entrusted with secret messages. Muhammad's relationship with Gabriel continues. Um, you know, obviously he's meant to have had this relationship with regards to the Kaaba and with regards to the sort of transmission of the Quran. And when he ascends to heaven, he's also meant to have been the guide. So Gabriel actually showed Muhammad the journey through all the seven heavens. And there's a really interesting Sufi story about how Gabriel helps Moses to write the Torah on tablets of gold. And in the story, God sends Gabriel and 99 angels to help him reach a state of purity, a higher vibration to enable him to do this. Each of the angels that's meant to have helped um, are meant to represent a different aspect of God or the divine. 
and they're meant to have taught him 124,000 words. As Moses was taught each new word, he's meant to have been raised up higher and higher until he becomes pure light. And once in this high mystical state, Gabriel is meant to have filled Moses' heart with the knowledge he needed to write on the tablets, as well as instructions on how to create the gold. So fascinating story there in terms of this idea of each word is elevating him higher and higher and higher. So it's worth thinking about that, you know, the power of word, a sacred word. What can a, word, a sacred word do? A sacred word is implanted in the being and it rises us up, up, up into that kind of pure gold. The element of communication is, um, as I said, is really important when we look about, look at this archangel. And <clears throat> again, it's very important in the Islamic tradition in, in how Gabriel's meant to know all the languages of the world. And obviously taught Joseph all 70 languages that are spoken at the Tower of Babel. And also the ability to shift in order to communicate effectively. So we've got this concept of Gabriel being able to sh shape shift, um, you know, to its different forms, appearing in different guises, um, in whatever way people will understand the message. That's the real key thing. It's like, what can this person cope with? How would they not be scared? Imagine if you saw an archangel appear in your bedroom at night, you'd be absolutely petrified. So this is a, he would try and work in a way that will be understanding and you won't be afraid. And this shape-shifting aspect is obviously very relevant with in regards to the, you know, the ideas of Yesod and the astral plane and the kind of shape-shifting there, but also how Gabriel appears in different forms so uh, appears to Abraham as a man and when she visits Mohammed in one of the stories her body covers the entire sky and this is something that was described by the Sufi Urasbina Bakhli and he described it as follows in the first rank I saw Gabriel like a maiden or like the moon amongst the stars his hair was like a woman falling in long tresses he wore a red robe embroidered in green he is the most beautiful of angels. His face is like a red rose. One of the other interesting stories which I just um, wanted to mention as well is Gabriel's also meant to have invented coffee. So there's a stories around Mohammed being very tired, wanting to go to sleep. And um, apparently Gabriel was the one who told him about coffee to help him stay awake. Before we finish, I just wanted to talk about some of the iconography of the Archangel Gabriel, um, how he's depicted in pictures, etc. So as I said, although I've referred to him as a he often in this podcast, that's kind of a habit, but he can, he can appear as a male or a female and called as either. As I said in the previous episode, um, sexual gender with, with regards to archangels is kind of irrelevant because these are um, high, high spiritual forces spiritual intelligences that are way above any concepts of um, male or female from the point of view of what we would consider so yeah archangel gabriel is often male or female and called as either the lily flower as i mentioned is one of the symbols which again shows this kind of fruitful nature often wearing a violet robe um, all holding a silver cup, again silver cup being relevant with relation to concept of water, of Yesod, Holy Grail 
a container of liquid, container of wisdom as well. So you have this concept of Gabrielle is the messenger that tells Mary about the the incarnation of Jesus. But at the same time, you could say that that if Mary is like the cup, then Gabrielle fills the chalice with that concept. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like this pregnancy um, element to that. Obviously, with this connection with water, um, we've mentioned the colours blue and white are often used in depictions of him. And Gabriel's often seen with a trumpet, a horn, a branch from paradise, a scroll or a scepter. And in art, Gabriel is most commonly represented in the scene of the Annunciation. As I said, I'm not um, I'm not really strictly uh, Christian from that point of view, but um, you know, particularly with regards to the Tree of Life, Kabbalah, um, you know, these stories from the Old Testament and the New Testament are very interesting if you consider them from that point of view. So it's definitely worth checking those out. Obviously, other various other variations of the Annunciation could be stories like Isis and Horus in ancient Egypt as well. So, um, you know, we've got very similar stories within those kind of um, traditions. So that's all we've got time for today. Thanks very much for joining us this week on the Occam London podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please make sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk where you can subscribe to the show. And you can also follow us on social media. The details are on the show notes. Have a great evening. In your silver light, oh friend of mine, 